Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, hey, welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast here. Today is Sunday, September 26th. We've got Joseph Scarfone. Joseph uh, was our teaching pastor this morning. Joseph, you had a very short passage to walk through today. I think it was like three verses, right? Yeah, I think you're exactly wrong. It was 57 <laughs> verses. Uh, don't know if I ever had an opportunity to preach through that many verses, but it was a great blessing today. And 57 verses in 40 minutes. So I think it was it was good. I mean, you did a great job. And so just our, our passage reference, we are, we're chapter 3, verse 1, all the way through 431, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So the give us just give us a quick 30-second overview or reminder of what's happening in this passage, because it really is kind of one complete story, right? And uh, it starts in chapter 3, goes through 431, as we see the whole progression of the that afternoon and then next day really kind of uh, unraveling for, for Peter and for John. So what, what kind of, give us a 30-second overview. That's right. So they, Peter and John were heading to the temple, and they see a beggar there who was outside the gate who was begging for alms. And uh, they said that they don't have any silver or gold to give him, and they give him the uh, an introduction to Jesus. And they say that, what I do have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And from there, uh, the man got up and walked. And it was a miracle. It was uh, to authenticate who the, who the apostles were, and it was also to show the power of the Holy Spirit that was on the early church. Yeah. So then there's this huge commotion in the temple, and they end up getting arrested and then the next day they deal with the authorities. The authorities start uh, bringing accusations against them, saying, please don't speak again about Jesus. And their response was, well, that's all that we can talk about. He's the one. He's the name. He's the authority. And by the way, you crucified him. You kind of killed him. <laughs> right. Uh, so he's uh, giving this convicting message to them, the very people that were uh, responsible for killing Jesus, hear the gospel. And uh, I like to imagine that maybe some of those leaders repented and believed. It's yeah. Something to think about there. But at the end of that, uh, through the entire, the rest of the story, there were another 5,000 people that believed. So you see the beginning of the early church. The yeah. church begins to explode with the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit. And you see it move from 120 people to 3,000 and now 5,000. And then the end of the passage is that all the believers get together, they're praying and they pray to the point where the earth shakes. And I just think that that's an amazing example of the power of God. Yeah, yeah. It's such a powerful story as we walk through it, right? Like you said, we, we start with 120 in yeah. an upper room. That's right. And then our, our meeting hall of some, uh, of some sort in Jerusalem. And then, and then you move to some 3,000 plus. Oh, yeah. And now you've added 5,000 plus onto it. We are somewhere around 10,000 people that that are just being recorded at these at these individual incidences within the first sixty to one hundred days of the early church. That's right. This like is it's, huge. It's this is it huge. is wild how the church is is exploding. And I love. I mean, so chapter it, it's in chapter four uh, there in uh, in verse um, verse twenty uh, where Peter and and John uh, where they where they say we we cannot but speak about the resurrection uh, for we cannot we literally for, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard and here's a really here's the thing that always stood out to me in this passage in this story the religious leaders 
they don't refute them. Right. <laughs> when when Peter's even like, you crucified Jesus, they're like, uh, no, technically we didn't. That was that was Pontius Pilate. Yeah, right? they didn't say anything. They don't refute it, and 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 they know that they're outnumbered. There's 5,000 people that respond in belief here. They have the physical proof of the manifestation of God in this moment. The, the, the beggar that was by the, the, the beautiful gate, and, and, and he's healed. And right. everybody knows him. So, so it, they, they already know that something has happened that they can't refute. They're not going to refute the resurrection because it's, it's changing things uh, dramatically. Their best angle is, um, hey, guys, could you... Could you just please, this just doesn't look great for us. We're trying to do some PR damage control. Could you please just not talk about this anymore? Things aren't good for business if you want to talk about this Jesus guy. So uh, just go ahead and uh, maybe be quiet. Yeah. yeah. And Peter's like, actually, it's the best thing for business ever. Right. That Jesus is here or that Jesus came and he died and he rose again. And yeah. we're not going to stop talking That's about right. it. So I, uh, you know, one of the questions that kind of out of this, it, what's unique in this in this in this moment here, is that it actually the text actually tells us that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you, you highlight, Joseph? You highlighted that in your sermon a, a, a little bit, and you kind of gave us pause to look at that phrase and the importance of that phrase. You know, in this in this series, we've talked about how God has indwelt the Holy Spirit in us. John talks about in his letter, 1 John, of how it's the, the Spirit is our guarantee of salvation. But what's going on here in this moment? How do we understand this phrase, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit? Was he not filled before this moment? Is he filled? Is he uniquely filled? Are we to be filled this way? Yeah, just how do we understand kind of what's going on with the Spirit and Peter at that moment? Yeah, I think the the right answer is that this is a unique feeling of the Holy Spirit. It's something that is not something that we would experience. Uh, it's called the apostolic era. God was using these miracles, these signs mm-hmm. and wonders to go ahead and authenticate the apostles. So this is to prove who they are. This yeah. is to prove that they are God's God's ambassadors. So this special feeling of the Holy Spirit is something that's visible and it's something that can be seen. And God is using the apostles to perform miracles. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's in a way God is, God is working through these dramatic events to put his stamp on That's exactly uh, this situation right. where, where everyone who looks at it can only say, this is a work of God. Right. And this very God that you're proclaiming is, is real, is alive and is active. Uh, it's almost like the prophets of Baal in the old Testament. Um, you know, that in that story where um, is Elijah is, you know, he's pouring water over water over water over water on, on the altar. And, and, and God, Yahweh, the God, the, the, the one true God, consumes not just the, the, the altar, but he consumes everything, right? That's right? He consumes everything that's there. And the prophets of Baal, who have failed, by the way. <laughs> right. And, and Elijah's given them chance and chance and chance and kind of goads them on. Yeah. You know, like, come on, Cry guys. Louder. Yeah. Does your God hear you? Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, are you sure he's listening? Is he around? Uh, and, so, and so they've failed by this point. And then Elijah comes and he cries out. And not only does he, he prays and God consumes it, but he's doused it in, in this burnt offering in in. in gallons. We don't know how many gallons, but right. an unreasonable amount of water, this thing should not have burned, That's right. let alone it was completely consumed. And, and the prophets of Baal respond, oh, your God is God. That's right. And that's exactly what I, I, you said. That's exactly what's going on here. God is using these amazing, miraculous moments to authenticate who the apostles are 
the resurrection. That's right. And that this is the only thing, the only one that's capable of doing this is God himself. Right. So can you and I be filled with the spirit in the way that Peter is filled with the spirit here? Or, uh, or, or is there a different understanding for us in this moment? Because sometimes, again, as we think about the Holy Spirit, that he is the part of the Godhead that is really confusing. Sure. And uh, so how do you chew on that? How do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think that we can be filled the same way. We're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and not yeah. drunk with wine, which is dissipation. But then there's also another passage in Colossians that's very similar to that. And it talks about the way that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is by ingesting the word of Christ. Mm. So our way of being filled with the Holy Spirit is different than this first century church apostles yeah. filling with the Holy Spirit. And for us, it not that we're going to have the ability to perform these miracles. That was for that era to authenticate the church, to prove who the apostles were, yeah. and to move them into a position where the whole world could see, hey, God's moving through these people. Yeah. And for us, we would want to have that kind of power, I think. As a Christian, it's fun to think about, like, well, what if God would use me and perform wonders and signs? Yeah. But then there's the the reality of where we are in God's economy, and that is dependence on him. Yeah. You know, if God wants us to to do things, it's just through dependence on him and our being filled with the Holy Spirit is by ingesting his word. Yeah. I think it's so important that we as as believers we we don't underestimate the importance and the centrality of God's word. We we believe that God's word was inspired by the Spirit, right? That's right. Uh, in the in our free church statement of faith, it, it literally we literally say that the that the uh, original manuscripts were inspired by the Spirit to human authors. So when we read the Bible, we can see fingerprints of human authors and personalities and perspectives Mm -hmm. and those kind of things. But we don't believe that it was just people who wrote the Bible. We believe that it's God's Spirit who inspired the Scriptures. And so when we're reading the the, the Scriptures today as a 21st century believers, we're hearing from and we're being filled with God's Spirit, who, by the way, as we've learned, reveals truth. That's right. Uh, as what John says again in his in his letter, we, we walk through it this summer. It's the Spirit that reveals truth. Jesus says that He'll be our helper. That's right. Uh, he'll He'll help us to understand what is true. And so, so I, you know, as we as we think about that, um, I think we talked about this. Mark and I talked about this last week with the with tongues mm-hmm. and, and some of these miraculous gifts and how I think our posture is open but cautious. Right? Oh, yeah. Can God still do miracles? He can. He sure can. Um, but uh, there is something different in the era of the apostles versus us today, and even something in 21st century Western, the Western world versus um, the non-Western context uh, that, we're, that you still see visions and dreams and healings and miraculous things, but always, always centered around revealing Jesus right. and validating the God of the universe. It all points back to God. It all points back yeah. to Christ. And if it doesn't, then that there's reason to be cautious. Yeah, Very I cautious. would I would say not just reason to be cautious, but reason to uh, to run the other yeah, direction. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. So we are filled with God's Spirit. We are filled with God's Spirit as we uh, as we read God's Word, and uh, and and yet in Romans twelve, God's Spirit fills us and equips us with gifts to serve. The body, and and so we so I think as we look for God's is God's spirit in us, are you are you living out your spiritual gift? Are you serving in the body? 
Are you engaged and enjoying God's word? If you if those are yeses, then yeah, God's spirit is is moving in you. Do you do you have a vibrant prayer life? Yeah. Right. So uh, those are markers of being filled with God's spirit. Absolutely. Uh, here in the in the church age in the twenty first century. Well, here's another question, and I, I I appreciate this one. I think it's helpful for me especially, and I want to hear your perspective on it. Uh, you you noted in the in your sermon, you kind of walked through. There's so many different character sets mm. in this large 57 verse story. Uh, one of those character sets uh, is is literally the, the the lame man who's at the the beautiful gate that's just outside of the temple. I loved how you you unpack that. He really is in a great position <laughs> to receive money. That's right. All right. So everyone that's coming to the temple is coming to the temple to worship, and part of worship in the first century was offering sacrifices. But you had to buy a sacrifice, which you did, by the way, either right outside the temple or by this point in history, actually in Solomon's portico, which is just inside the temple. That's right. And so he's positioned to get people and to pull on their heartstrings, essentially. Yeah. And he knows they have money. <laughs> and then Peter and John roll up and they don't have money. <laughs> And so because they don't need to offer sacrifice anymore because Jesus is the one and final sacrifice. He paid it all. He paid it all. Um, but but so we we are called, we are we see that we are to care for people. We're to help people. And when right. we run into people in need, um, we want to be like uh, Peter and John. We want to pause and be present to them. I, th- I think you unpack that uh, really well here in your sermon. But how do we have boundaries with that? So am I supposed to, here's the question, uh, how, am I supposed to help everyone at all times? I think the simple answer is no. It's just not possible to do that. You would take on way too much. Yeah. And I, th- I think it just goes back to relationships. Mm. If you look at what was happening in this situation with the beggar, this was the beginning of a relationship with yeah. Peter and John. And for us, we need to look at the relationships that we have that we can help people out. And sometimes God will orchestrate a situation for us to meet someone new that needs help. And yeah. we could listen to the, the spirit speaking and leading mm. in our lives so that we can take advantage of that situation and help that person out. Yeah. But if we were to seek every opportunity to help someone, we, we would have an endless job because there are so many people that need help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that you just, as you noted it, you, is leaning into the spirit. That's right. Right. Listen, uh, I think, none of us have checking accounts that are inexhaustible. No, None of us have emotional reserves that are inexhaustible. Even Jesus models this for us in his incarnation. Jesus gets away. He has to, right? He, 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 he not, he actually literally goes in the opposite direction of the crowd sometimes, right? To get away, to pray, to be in communion with his father. So, even Jesus in his incarnation doesn't heal all people at all times and meets every single need. Um, he met a lot of them. He did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we see that modeled there. But I, as you noted, Joseph, I think it's really important. Are we leaning into the spirit when we see someone in need or a situation that comes up for us that we could meet? Do, quick checklist. Do I have the means to meet the need? Yeah. I may or may not. Sure. If I don't, I don't. Um, let me pray for that person. Lord, would you would you send someone to meet their needs? You know, um, uh, two. Do I have do I have the time? You know, um, am I going to be late for work or am I going to be am I going to miss something critically important? Uh, and so part of it is just, am I available? Do I have the availability? Now, if you never have the availability, that's another conversation. That is another conversation, right? Yeah. But but we can't be late for everything, right? 
And then, uh, and then, and then thirdly, I think as you, Joseph, as you know, leaning into the spirit. I think Peter and John in this moment, it was a, it's a curious phrase. You noted it, but it, it doesn't just say that they glanced at him or they acknowledged him. It literally says that they that they peered into him. They stared intently. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's they, deep. They recognized his personhood. Mm-hmm. And and I and I have to believe that that it's actually the Spirit of God that moved them I agree. Yeah. to see him in that moment. And that God wanted to do something unique that day through them and in his life and in the lives of 5,000 other people. And so God, God filled him with the Spirit. He, the Spirit of God gave them knowledge or awareness or just a mindfulness of presence there that, uh, that, that, they would be, that they'd be available to that moment. Walk me through in your life, Joseph, how, how that has happened for you. How have you felt God's Spirit tell you, Hey, I want you to be present to this situation. I want you to help. And maybe did God's Spirit help you know how to help in that moment? Sure, yeah. There's been a couple times in my life where there have been people that I've already had a relationship with and they were in need. And yeah. it was just an opportunity for me to reach out to them and say, Hey, can I help? Yeah. And it was meeting a physical need at first. And later those conversations turned into gospel conversations, into conversations to share Jesus. Yeah. So for me, it's it always goes back to listening to what the Spirit says. You know, whether it's a conviction out of nowhere to talk to someone that you haven't talked to in a while. Uh, the beauty of social media is that a lot of people put their information out there. So you they do send them a message and say, hey, what's yeah. going on? You sound like you're not all that thrilled. Uh, I just saw that you came across a difficult situation in life. How can I pray for you? Yeah. And for me, that question has been the catalyst for so many conversations with with people is how can I pray for you? Yeah. Because it's non-confrontational. It mm-hmm. takes people from a defensive and whether they believe in prayer or not, most people will say, here's how. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. So when you come, when you, one of your first moves, it sounds like to me, is to say, how can I be praying for you? Yeah. And to sort that out. That's right. Yeah. I uh, I, I think, I, I can't agree and I can't affirm more on that. Sure. You know, I know personally for me, often, you know, for me, I, we, we also, we've said this uh, here at Christ Community. Uh, we we view we view the world either with a truth lens or a compassion lens. Mm-hmm. We both have we all, everybody has both truth and compassion sure. lenses. Just one is more dominant than the other. Right. I tend to be a truth lens person, and so what I need when I come across somebody who is in need, I need the Spirit to help my compassion lens right. increase. Because my natural response is, well, let me ask you these 10 questions to determine if you're lying to me or not. And I'm already coming here skeptical. <laughs> that's not good. Right? That's not good, Kyle. <laughs> no, that's not good. That's not good. And so, but I, but, but here's what I can tell you is that, is that when I feel the spirit really moving me and with, uh, uh, towards compassion, I'm sure. going, oh, he really does want me to respond here. Right. He really does want me to help. And then, and then I, 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 I lean in a little bit. A little bit more, and I think on the other side of it is if you if you come to it with a stronger compassion lens, you need the Spirit of God to help you lean into the truth lens a little bit right. more and to really discern what's going on. Sure. And yet, at the end of the day, it's not our job. No, we're to all. give generously if we are able, right? And we let God sort it out. That's right. And so, um, so sometimes that is, is even for me where I where I'm I'm looking at a situation and God just goes, just be faithful. Yeah, you know, here I literally I I've heard the spirit of God say to me, just be faithful. Right. It's not your job to know. No, you don't have to. Yeah, you know. 
I think going along with that is a, a simple uh, line from scripture. It says, speak the truth in love. Mm. So there's the compassion side. For me, that's yeah. been a mantra. Uh, there have been times in my life when I've been too truthful and I've destroyed some relationships. Yep. So as I understand grace and love a little bit more, I tend to marry grace and truth and love all together so that I could get to a discernment of the best way to minister to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Grace makes truth palatable. Oh yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And we, we know that innately and, uh, because we've been on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so yeah, le- leaning into the spirit to help us speak truth in love Amen. and truth with faith and grace. So, well, Joseph, thanks, man. Thanks for bringing God's word here this morning. I, one of the things, let me just encourage you if you're, as you're listening here today, uh, go back into the passage. One of the things Joseph had us do this morning was to identify each of the character sets throughout the passage. We've got the apostles, we've got the lame man, we've got the religious leaders, we've got the believers, we've got the crowds. Um, it, you know, we've got who else is in that passage? That's about I it. I called villains. Oh, we got the yeah. villains. That yeah, was a really good guys. one. Yeah, yeah. we've Christian got some bad guys that are hostile to, towards yeah. Christianity in there. Um, go back this week as you and read through this this fifty seven these fifty seven verses and try to identify with each of those sets because there's something about each of us that is revealed. God is revealing something about us in each of those character sets in this story, and let let God's Spirit speak to you through that. So, Joseph, thanks again for uh, for bringing God's Word faithfully here this morning and uh, and helping us to chew on the truth of Scripture. Amen. You got it. All right. We'll see you guys next Sunday. All right. We'll see you.